Welcome to the seventh episode of VSTML 2018 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me for our 300th episode together is the Canadian who is always left holding the ribbon at any event he attends, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So yeah, 300 episodes together. You'd be out for murder in less. Yeah, I guess Yeah, some people do get, get released on good behavior for murder in less time than how long we've been podcasting for. <laughs> it only feels like it should still be in the 200s. <laughs> yeah. Mainly because it kind of is when we're recording this. It's like when Simpsons said their 300th episode. Because their 300th episode was the one with Homer Simpson and Tony Hawk in a skateboarding competition. And then Marge is like, man, I can't I can't count how many times uh, Homer has gotten himself into a situation like this. And then Lisa, Lisa has one of those uh, counters. And then she clicks and she's like, oh, it's 300, Mom. And then Marge is like, oh, could have sworn it was 297. But yeah, we hit 300 over the course of what? Seven and a bit years. Seven and a bit. Yeah, I was about to say not not quite eight years, but close. This comes out second week of August, I think. So yeah, just a smidge over seven and a half years. My God. So previously, Reuben and Jan had a near miss when transporting the worldly possessions of Georgians across a town. Stina went missing in an abandoned hotel before they tried to stop their screens being shown at the execution. Only Simona had to see her screen, but it was green, meaning all five of them were safe and through to episode seven. I love this episode. I'd forgotten how good this episode is. It might actually be my favourite of the seven so far. It's a really funny episode. Yeah. Especially being forced to run back to restart your time every three minutes. <laughs> I was chatting to Bindles about this yesterday because obviously he's joining us for the next episode. Spoilers. And he's like, why didn't I pick episode seven? I watched the previously segment and was like, oh, that's a really good episode. I should have picked that one. It's like, but you didn't. You chose episode eight. It's your own fault. Uh, actually, it's funny because I was while I was watching this episode, like, did did Binley choose to podcast with us for this episode or the next one? Because I feel like he would like this episode more. <laughs> yeah, no, he picked he picked badly. He uh, he picked next episode, so he's joining us for that one. But uh, it's just me and the for uh, for episode seven, much to his irritation. Because I think I said this on our podcast group chat as well. This is a really good episode. It holds up. This is one of my favorite mole episodes for a while that we've had to watch i think i think the bridge painting challenge is one of the funnest challenges or the most fun i've seen contestants genuinely have on any competitive reality show in a very long time it's a very belgian scene that one it's a very belgian challenge generally just the vibe because everyone seems to actually enjoy what they're doing and actually be having fun which isn't something you can always say on vidim sometimes vidim is a little bit too serious yeah, Venom gets a bit dark at times, or it gets uh, taps into that misery a bit more. But here, the contestants are having fun. They get the locals involved, and and of course, they get the mayor involved. Who does not understand a single thing Art is saying. Nope. <laughs> and he doesn't speak that much English, so it's funny. If you uh, see the subtitles for the episode, the person who's doing the subtitles just writes in brackets, I think he's happy. <laughs> So Art says that Simona was the only one to see her screen last episode. He's still in Scaltubo on day 12. He says Olche goes straight for the goal. A bond with her is a bond with a boss. Stina looks at the assignments differently and can sometimes be a bit confused. Simona trusts herself because she's convinced of her mole. The friendly, kind Reuben. He's always calm, but his brain is working overtime in the assignments. He prefers a bond regardless of the situation. Finding one in Yan, who is always eager for an assignment. Three women are left, two men, and one mole. And the episode title is Appearance Caster or Spotlight. Oh, like the like the Oscar winner. Yeah, they actually um, put a space between the two words, hence why I said Appearance Caster as well, because I did have to uh, Google Translate it. But apparently if you smush them together, it is Spotlight. Just like the Oscar winner. Samantha says at breakfast she was the only one who had to see her screen and it was green, which helps her be convinced that she's on the right track. Come back to that very soon. At breakfast, Jan tries to get everyone to share information on who they suspect. Simona says she won't share, but she will trade information. She always has to get something back from someone she's helping. Olche agrees with that opinion. Simona also claims they're all bondless. Jan disagrees in confessional, even though he doesn't trust Ruben. He also says Stina and Olche still talk, so nobody's truly bondless. 
except for Simona. Yeah, because Zian says, I have a bond with both Olche and Ruben. <laughs> and Olche has a bond with Stine, so Simona's really by herself on this. I think it's really interesting that we had that opinion come up, actually, because we were talking last week about how Ruben and Simona started having a loose bond and how Jan and Olche had a loose bond and Stina and Olche wasn't really a thing anymore. And then at the start of this episode, it's like, well, all of the existing bonds are still a thing. Yes, we've added Ruben and Jan now that Luce has gone. Yes, we've kind of added in a bit of Jan and Olche, not that we see much of it in the first part of this episode. But it still seems like a lot of the old traditional bonds that we've kind of seen through the season are still there, even if they didn't want us to think they were there last episode. Yeah, and I guess from Simona's perspective, it's just that her and Ruben traded information. It wasn't that they created a bond last episode. It was just one conversation where they traded info and then they'll probably never talk again. Yeah, I just think it's interesting because they made it look like a bond last episode. They made it look like like Ruben was kind of abandoning Yan a little bit and Yan had moved on to Olche and all that sort of stuff and Olche had abandoned Stina because Yan's more fun to be around. And then it seems like we go back again at the start of this episode to go, no, all the existing bonds are still there. Yeah, a bit of a change in the impression we were supposed to have just one episode ago. At least we know that things aren't going to be changing again. Like, this is going to be solidified between here and the end of the game. Yeah, I don't think there's any new bonds that come out in Final Four, from my memory at least. Yeah, other than Old Chain Ruben having a conversation. So they head to the Mana Sanatorium, another impressive abandoned sanatorium. And yet again, Ruben introduces the location and the challenge. This is a recurring theme throughout the season. Ruben always gets the first word in every challenge introduction, no matter what. They never deviate from that. I guess that he was just really good at explaining the atmosphere. I would assume so, but I I had kind of forgotten, as I've said in previous episodes, how much Ruben really narrates a lot of this season. And ever since I kind of had that light bulb going in my head appropriately for this challenge, I've been watching out for it, and they're still doing it, even in episode 7, episode 6 had this as well. Literally, as soon as they go to a new location, you'll hear Ruben go, oh, this is a fantastic place, this is an impressive old building, how cool this would have been when it was actually in use. And you never hear that from anyone else. Yeah, that's like the one thing I remember about the season before we started this rewatch. I was thinking I was going to keep an eye out for, does Ruben get as much airtime as I remember? And the answer is yes. Yes, he does. He really is the narrator. <laughs> I mean, I remember I remember a little bit about the next episode, and Ruben gets a lot of airtime in the next episode. <laughs> next episode is the one with, um, is it Toothpick in a wetsuit he describes himself as? Oh, I forgot about that, but... That sounds right. Because he makes fun of his own cardio here in this challenge where he says, I'm not designed for running and running. I'm a musician. I don't have the best cardio. Oh, God. I I think Ruben would be a very fun person to talk to, I'll be honest. He is a kindred spirit with me on that. Because he's sneaky funny. You always remember this season as being kind of Jan and Olche being massive kind of stars in big lights. But Ruben is sneaky funny in a lot of this season. He gets a lot of fun quotes. I mean, not on the level of Olche. We're coming rapidly up to one of my favourite Olche quotes in the entire season in this episode. But Ruben holds his own with those two. Or was it Yan saying, was there ever was there ever a year without a control room task? If there was a year, then that was a terrible year and I would have skipped it. <laughs> At least he didn't say that about the laser game. Very true, because there isn't a laser game as we established last episode. So Art says that they're going to do five assignments, all of which are visible in the control room, as are their own personal three-minute clocks. The clocks can be restarted at any time, but if they run down to zero, then they are out of the game. Some of the challenges will require collaboration, and they have exactly 21 minutes to complete them. Oddly specific. I actually can't think of another of another challenge, and I'm sure Bindles will correct us next week with this. I can't think of another um, challenge that doesn't have an even amount of minutes. It's 21, this one. It's also a very short time limit, too. I think we almost see the entire challenge play live. Because we cause there's, we probably see, what, about 12 minutes of the challenge makes the final cut? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, probably at least 12, yeah, probably over 50%, which is a lot for reality TV. 
there's probably only kind of seven or eight clock resets for each person. Yeah, at the most it would be, yeah. I guess it depends how fast they get back, but yeah, they could get away with just six clock resets. Even Olche's clock is directly behind her in the control room, so as long as she stays in the control room, she can reset her clock at any time. And she really didn't want to stay in the control room. So in their strategy session, Yan does suggest that one person starts in the control room. Obviously, if you look at these five people, who are you going to pick as the controller in the control room? You're going to pick Olche. <laughs> she says she's good at telling people what to do, and enjoys keeping an eye on everyone. Yan and Simona find the first mini challenge. All they have to do is screw in light bulbs onto a sign to earn money. They get a drum full of bulbs. There are 125 spaces for bulbs to be screwed into. If they get it right, it will spell out the actual money, which is 500 euros for this sub-challenge. And Simona thinks that uh, confuses where the bulbs need to be with the brand of the light bulbs. Because Yan's like, um, you know we can't put all these bulbs in the same slot, right? <laughs> well, I was frantically watching trying to work out how many bulbs they actually had. Because it 100% was not 125 bulbs. It was about 60, I think. Which still was too many for them since they ran out of time. Yeah, and also this is a slightly dangerous sub-challenge given that the mains power had to be on for the lights to come on when the light bulb was put in the right spot. So there was a genuine risk of execution on this challenge. Impromptu. No green screen, no red screen. Just a white light. I am always told when I replace the light in my room to make sure that the light switch is turned off first. They were told to make sure it's on first. Yeah. With 39 seconds left on his timer, Yan finds a bulb that lights up when he screws it in. Ruben finds the second sub-challenge. Stina joins him, and they completely miss the letter that is stuck to the drum. All they have to do is count the total of the notes in the drum. And Stine pulls us Stine by abandoning Ruben very quickly in this mini-challenge, too. Literally my next note, Stina, as is her want, leaves Ruben alone. <laughs> it's another recurring joke from last week at the Georgian village where she just goes, Nah. Now you've got this. Okay. I'm just going to move on. Yeah, I'm going to go help someone else. <laughs> and when their clocks go below a minute, Alche does tell them, slash shout at them on the portaphone to reset their timers. Sabona finds the third assignment, which is a 250 euro one. She has to turn on the light to earn it. And to turn on the lights, there are three buttons that have to be pushed simultaneously. Alche then summons everyone to the control room for the fourth assignment, which is a 250 euro group photo. And they all set off to explore the sanatorium to find the room where they need to take it. So the first group photo fails because Stina wasn't in it. <laughs> That's so Stina. They take the they take this. Uh, I wrote that in my notes too. They take this selfie and it's like, no, she's not in the picture. Let's try again. My absolute favorite thing about this episode, I think, is the fact that they go out of their way. Given it's Stina's last episode, and we can say this now, they go out of their way to clown Stina a little bit. We get the weird meditation scene halfway through the episode anyway, which I'd completely forgotten about. Me too. As soon as it came on, it's like, it's going to be Stine Matt's meditating, isn't it? Please let it be. Yep. <laughs> we will get to that scene in detail fairly soon, but I, when it came on the screen, I'm like, huh? I don't remember this, and I have no idea how I don't remember this, because this is like peak Stina. <laughs> but we also get the, the fact that Stina can't get in a group photo... We get more mocking of Stina from Olche later in the episode. It's just not a good episode for Stina, this one. <laughs> and bearing in mind, at this point in the season, she was still my number one suspect. For those people who haven't been listening to the spoiler sections, Stina has been my number one suspect for four weeks at this point, I think. A month. A month of, uh, of I and Stina. Maybe more than that, actually. But when I did the suspect list, Stina was my number one suspect for at least four weeks of this season. Mainly because she's just kind of inept at times, and they really make her come across as inept. And as we find out by the end of this episode, now that's just Stina. She's just a little bit inept. Yeah, you're just really hoping that's some sort of long con. Yeah, I'm really hoping it's kind of manipulative, and that she's just playing the older female mole rather than just being a little bit stupid. So Yan finds the final mini-challenge, which is having to plug extension cords in a longer corridor to light up a bulb for 250 euros and each lead will only fit between two sockets. Stina goes back to check the drum full of cash. She can either go and do two challenges badly, or get one right, because Ruben did think that the total was 1330 euros, because he didn't think the minus numbers counted. He is wrong. The total in the drum is actually 380 euros. I like how Stina's like, it's either 250 or 350. 
Uh, I'll go 350. And then Art's like, actually, it was 380. Oh, I was so close. It's like, were you? <laughs> but this is yet another challenge going back to the end of last episode where Steena gets the really weird finicky maths questions and absolutely biffs it again. This is the third time in two episodes that Steena has got a maths question and been close, but not close enough. It's like the that episode of Family Guy when they played Trivial Pursuit where Brian gets a question about cadmium or something like that and then Peter's like, Haha, you're such a dumbass and then they swap out the Trivial Pursuit to the preschool edition for Peter, and then they ask him, oh, what color is a, is a fire truck? So it's just it's just that big difference in difficulty where everyone else gets the easier question than Stine. It's like, come on, let's not completely troll her in her final appearance. Oh, she really gets trolled with some of these maths questions. It's very funny. And it's another kind of sneaky two-episode running joke is that we're having the screen-turning challenge at the end of last episode, Steena getting all of the hard questions and getting them wrong twice, and having to turn two of the 500 euro boards, and then everyone else getting the really, really easy questions, or much easier than her. And then she goes for another maths question to rehabilitate her image in this one, and it's like, no, you still get it wrong. You're just making yourself look worse. Yeah. I, I Actually, they didn't air this, but at the end of the bridge challenge... They could have earned an extra 500 euros when Art asked Stine, how many people total passed over the bridge during the challenge? And then she got it wrong. They're like, ah, damn it, Stine, why didn't you keep track? Come on, Stine, you should know. This is Vista Mall. Yeah, come on. You got to count the 180 or 200 people that were on the bridge at the time. I just love the idea that there was so much clowning of Stine that we just didn't see in this episode. <laughs> they could have made it look so much worse. So, the extension leads are put in the right order, thanks to Ruben and Jan, so they earn another 250 euros, and time runs out with three challenges done. They earned 750 euros of 1,630 for the challenge, and in something I didn't pick up on last episode, but definitely picked up on here, Jan decides he's in Greece and shouts Oprah when they get money. I thought he shouted Oprah. He's just angling for an interview, that's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> He tried shouting Gail King at the start of the season, and he's like, nope, I'm just going to go to the top now. I'm going for Oprah. You get in the flavouring. You get in the flavouring. You get in the flavouring. If you look under your seats, <laughs> you'll find a rice stilling. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was weird last episode. There was at least one challenge where Jan did shout Oprah when they got money, and he does it again at the end of this challenge. Maybe he's Greek. It's just like, stop trying to make Oprah a thing, Jan. Yeah, she retired years and years before the Georgia season was filmed. Actually, like 10 years probably before the season was filmed. Except she decided to interview British royalty out of nowhere. Cash in like $100 million probably for the interview, and now she can go back to being behind the scenes again. And the rest with the worldwide rallies. And Ruben says after the challenge that he should have known he had to count the minus money. He just didn't think. And that is a recurring theme for Ruben. He just didn't think about things. That's why he's so suspicious to everyone, is he just doesn't think. Olche says that in the control room, she notices Ruben running around but not sabotaging. She tells him at lunch that she thinks he's the mole. He says, thank you for sharing. It's like, how do you want me to respond to that? <laughs> this is such a wonderful scene between Ruben and Olche that I'd completely forgotten about here. Where Olche just, in her completely direct style, goes, I think you're the mole. You're not going to dissuade me from this. And he's just like, cool, thank you for sharing. Yeah, you can join us next week as we play through the next week of the mole. <laughs> I mean, you can believe that if you really want. It will get you eliminated, but cool, good for you. Yeah, because his response was just, well, I think it's Yan because he's lost a lot of money, especially in the beginning of the season. Well, Che's like, no, Yan has earned more money than anybody. And then, and then he's like, okay, just give me the list of what he's earned. And then Old Che's like, actually... I didn't get too far in the list of tasks where Jan has earned money. The best thing is, he's only doing this to try and help his bond out, because they've obviously discussed that they want to make Jan a little bit more suspicious here. But this is, I would say, the first time in the season where anyone has said that Jan is suspicious. We've heard so much about Ruben especially. We've heard a little bit about Steena maybe, not necessarily from Olche, who's described her as varying degrees of useless throughout most of the last few episodes. We've heard a lot for Simona. We've heard maybe a little bit for Olche, although a lot of people are just going, she's too focused on money, she can't be the mole. 
but we've never really heard anything either way for Yan, which is fascinating, I think, especially this late in the season. Yeah, and then Olche now is just really conflicted about who to put down as their mall. Well, except for one person. Because in her confessional, she says, well, Roman's my prime suspect because he's never cooperating or really earning that much money for the pot. Simona could be the mole because she know she has learned nothing about her because Simona doesn't share any information about herself with anybody. And she's like, Yan would be the perfect mole because he makes friends and is a very good liar and can charm people easily. And then, of course, the best part, which is Stine is definitely not the mole because she isn't sharp enough. I'm thinking that is just brutal. That is a brutal confessional. She's essentially saying it can't be Stine because she's just too much of an idiot to be the mole. I think genuinely I would love to pick Olche's brain, but I would be genuinely fearful of Olche's read on me. Olche is the closest to a roast comedian we've ever seen on the mole, I think. I absolutely adore her, but I would not want to cross her. <laughs> she's brilliant, but she's also terrifying. And the best thing is, if we didn't have this bridge challenge, Ruben's grimace during this conversation, yet again, would have been a contender for the banner. But there is a better one during the bridge challenge that is actually our banner. This is two weeks on the trot now where I've sent you a picture going, oh, there's a really good Ruben grimace here. And then it is superseded by something else in the episode. And Ruben's grimace is hilarious when you're watching for it. Because he just basically looks like he's sniffing some shit every time and it's two episodes on the trot he's done it as a reaction to things but it's super sneaky and super funny so they head to Kutizi for the second challenge of the episode in the afternoon and Ruben yet again narrates the entire scene and I did spot that it is where Art did his intro from last week with the rickety cable cars there is a bridge that crosses a river which is where Art meets them and doesn't meet them in a stationary spot this time it's one of the rare walk and talk intros Lots of monuments are being restored in the former Soviet states, and one of those is the iconic landmark of Kutesi, the White Bridge. It's almost been restored and will be reopening that afternoon, thanks to the mayor, but they have to help by painting the iconic railings white. There is 125 metres of bridge to be painted, and they have to mobilise the people of the city to help them paint. For every metre painted, they will get 10 euros for the pot, and they've got till 6.30pm when the mayor will come to officially reopen the bridge. And it's 3.15pm now. They get a very big deadline. They do. And I mean, this is... It's just basically a, a gigantic character scene with money to be won. I have a feeling that even if they hadn't painted the entire bridge, they probably would have still got all the money in this challenge just for effort. It's one of the few challenges I can kind of see producers going, yeah, we're just going to give them money for effort in this one. Fun community. Yeah. I can't honestly think of another community-focused challenge like this in Vidim, in any season we've seen. No, nothing from the past four years. Certainly not since Art left, but even before Art left, I can't really think of too many community scenes that are this kind of personality-focused. It's a very Belgian challenge, this. And I mean that with a lot of respect. Yeah. So Yan takes the lead again and suggests that some of them start painting now so there's some progress, and another group goes and looks for people to help. He suggests that he and Olche go and find help, and Stina is a bit put out as she says she's good with people. Yeah, she wants to be she wants to seek people as well, and everyone else is like, no, no, Stina, no. <laughs> this is another way that the editors just screw Stina over, and it's delightful. Because we've seen nothing in the past six and a half episodes by this point to say that Stina is anywhere good with people. She's awkward, if anything. I think of all the people in this final five, you would want to come up to you in a Georgian city and say, can you help me paint some railings? Stina would be fifth. I think you definitely want to talk to Yan, because as Alche said earlier, he's very personable, he's good at making friends. I think you'd be intimidated at Alche and just do whatever she wanted you to do. I think Ruben would be very friendly. I think Simona, on a good day, can be very friendly. I think Stina would just be awkward and uncomfortable to have to talk to. Yeah, awkward. Yeah, awkward. It was the first word that came to my mind, too. It's not to say that Stina is a terrible character, because as I've said over the past six episodes, Stina is a brilliant character and one of my favourite older female contestants ever. It's just she is not very well suited to this challenge from what we've seen in the episodes. 
we certainly didn't get the impression that she would be better than Yan and or Rolche at recruiting Georgians to come and help paint a bridge. I think you want someone fun to to be going around the town going, look, there's some weird Dutch people who want your help. I think you want someone like Yan or Olche rather than someone like Stina. So Ruben is actually the first one we see, ignore the instruction, and enlists the locals to help them straight away. And Yan and Olche have 500 lari, which is about 150 euros, to buy things to encourage people to help them with. And Yan goes straight for the root one answer of vodka. They buy the cheapest vodka that they can find in an off-license, and in a supermarket, Yan makes a friend in Maya, who works behind the till in the supermarket. They borrow a table from a cafe, and of course, Yan just assumes that Olche stole it from the cafe without asking. Yeah, did you steal that table, Olche? No, no, I asked. Did you actually ask, or did you ask afterwards? It was kind of an ask afterwards scenario, because I think Olche was pretty much indicating that she was going to take it no matter what. Yeah, as I've said, you don't say no to Olche, you just give her what she wants and let her get out of your hair. Yeah. It's not worth the repercussions to say no to Olche Gulson. We've already established that. It's like the same advice they give you if like, uh, if somebody tries to rob you on the streets. Like, just, just give them whatever you have, don't try to fight them so you don't get hurt. Yeah, you just give her what she wants and just move on. Possessions have no monetary value, really. It's like, you guys are gonna, now going to rejoin the Soviet Union. Oh, okay, okay, we'll do what you want, Alchem. <laughs> we worked really hard at being a democratic republic, but okay. <laughs> we'll just give you what you want, it's easier. Yeah, well, let's bring back the statues of Stalin. Oh, please, Alchem would want statues of herself. <laughs> and in my favourite scene of the entire episode, we get to see Ruben and Yan sample the Georgian vodka. And their reactions are... Interesting. They certainly enjoy their um, their vodka, shall we say? They well, they drank it straight, and they drank a lot at once. That was were some very contorted faces. Yeah, I mean, as you may have seen from our banners over the past six weeks, I love Yan. I love Ruben. They are both very good at giving us reactions. Both of them, I think, have had at least two banners this season already. Both of them have got this banner. Because them sampling the vodka and grimacing did make me laugh far, far more than I expected. They're both very, very good at reacting to things. Yeah, those were some very sour faces. And basically all the locals are very willing to help. Sadly, Ruben isn't able to open a paint can, even though he can do it at home. And in a very sneaky, funny editor's joke, Ruben's hair turns whiter and whiter every time he does a confessional, because he gets more and more paint in his hair. And it's something super subtle that if you go back and watch this episode, you spot it. But he gets more and more paint in his hair every single time he does a confessional. And it's very funny. And Olche experiences a light bit of sexual harassment when she gets a tap on the arse from an old man who wants to know where she's from. Yeah, this scene did not age well. (laughs) Nothing like a light, friendly challenge in Vidum, Georgia to bring out a Me Too moment. Yeah. And Yan and Olche just laugh about it afterwards. As if it was nothing. Like she fully expected it to happen. So Olche and Yan then go out to find a saxophonist to come play on the bridge and serenade all of the locals who are helping. And given that we know that Ruben has musical talent, just find a, a piano or a keyboard to bring up. It's much easier. Just get Ruben to serenade them. Olche can carry a table, but I don't know if she can carry a piano. Yeah, but imagine the scene of four Dutch people painting and Ruben serenading them with a light bit of Dutch jazz. Or he starts playing Candle in the Wind. And Jan pays him 50 lari to play, but 20 immediately, just in case he runs off, which he does after two minutes anyway, and it's the best payday he's ever had. The best two minutes ever for him. Well, that's about 15 euros for two minutes. That's a pretty good hourly wage. Not a bad gig for a musician. Ruben's got to follow that guy's tips. He's earning himself 450 euros an hour. That's that's pretty good. I guess he'll survive with that. He'll get to spend time with his family, maybe. Well, it did look like he was playing at a bar of some description, so he gets the money from the bar for playing, and then also the 15 euros just for going up to the bridge for two minutes and, and serenading them. And Yan says his tactic is to try and woo the Georgian women. Once in a while it actually works, and everyone enjoys the challenge. The locals have such pride in their city, and even Olche dirties herself and paints. And then one of the locals even paints Yan for not helping with painting, too. As does Olche. You can actually spot it at the end of the challenge. Olche and Yan are both far more painted than we actually saw 
up to this point in the episode. It's like they had a paint fight after they recruited everybody. They definitely had some sort of paint fight. There was definitely more to that scene than we saw, I think. It's a bit of a contrast. The first challenge, we get to see like 12 out of 21 minutes. Here we get to see 10 minutes of a three-hour period. And it's all golden minutes as well. It's all brilliant stuff. Who would have thought that a challenge where you actually have to watch paint dry would be so entertaining? And it seems like they finished this challenge with a lot of spare time. Oh yeah, they're definitely enjoying themselves by the end of this. Jan bought a lot of vodka and a lot of beer and a lot of wine and a lot of coke. They had a blast at this challenge. Probably the most surprising thing is they told everybody, oh, the bridge will reopen you know, later at 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the evening. But when it's time to do the ribbon cutting ceremony and open the bridge, no one is there. Not that we saw. They might have been on the other side of the camera. You hope so, because it's like, man, so everybody just came in, decided, oh yeah, we'll all help paint this bridge. But they had zero interest in hanging out with the mayor and why there's this gigantic ribbon... <laughs> Hanging across the bridge. Maybe the mayor is a giant dick. Maybe they just didn't want to hang around with him for too long. Maybe. I don't know. Well, we have to look, find out if that guy is still mayor. I can confirm that the mayor of Kutesi is still the same mayor. And in fact, I have his email address. <laughs> no way. You have to email him and say, Hey, we're doing a podcast about Viasimol. When you did the ribbon-cutting ceremony, were there locals there? On this website that I found, he lists his language competencies as Russian fluent, Turkish fluent, English medium. But it also has his computer knowledge, which is Microsoft Word excellent, Excel excellent, and PowerPoint excellent. Oh, we have to ask him like if he can make a PowerPoint for us. It genuinely has his his home address, his phone number, and his email address on this. They obviously have no security laws in Georgia. I assume it's just a very safe town. How old do you think he was when he filmed it? Well, during the season, late 40s, I would say? He was 37. Oh, he's a young mayor. He is. He was uh, born in 1980. It's actually his birthday next week. Oh, same age as my, uh, as my sister. But yeah, we gotta, we gotta email him about the, the task. I'm not letting you email him. This is going to be a very awkward conversation. <laughs> so slowly but surely, all the local help leaves, leaving just the candidates to finish the painting. The mayor is happy, at least we assume so. They painted all 125 metres and then 1,250 of a possible 1,250 euros for the pot. And Art even gets given the ribbon by the mayor. Now on to, I think, our favourite scene of the entire episode, which is the weird-ass scene of Stina meditating. She says, I see if I can find the truth within me. If I visualize the mole, he might show himself. <laughs> Spoilers, he doesn't. No, she didn't search far enough inside of herself for the truth. So yeah, they are heading to Bozjomi. Art says that the mole let themselves be enthusiastic and relax a little the day before, earning the team 2,000 euros. But once they get to Bozjomi, the inevitable will happen and someone will get a red screen. And Art tells them that they are going to make a special train ride to Semi. Along the way, they will have to sort through cardboard boxes, so the green labels are in the green carriage, blue ones in the blue carriage, and the yellow ones in the yellow carriage. There are also the red labels with the names of stations on them. Those have to be delivered to the stations when they stop. Each misdelivered package will cost them 250 euros, but a perfect run will earn them 1500. And in something we never actually see in Vidim, Art's spiel basically gets repeated by Jan straight away in the confessional. It's a very American reality TV confessional of, here's exactly the same thing, but just slightly reworded. Yeah, it's, it's like Big Brother. It's basically just a Big Brother POV spiel of, this is what we had to do. It's like, yes, we've seen this five seconds before. So they split themselves along the train, Jan's in the blue one, Steena in the middle, Alche in yellow, Ruben in the middle, and Green for Simona. And Jan goes to the back of his... Anything not blue goes straight to Stina, and he just punts it across the carriage. <laughs> and she will stack the blue ones in the middle bit for him. Then we get our first of two arguments in this challenge between Ruben and Olche, because Ruben doesn't clear stuff quick enough. Jan's carriage gets filled because Stina isn't quick enough at clearing. And Olche says she has organisational skills, unlike Stina and Ruben. She keeps her carriage spotless. And Ruben says in her well-known manners... She yelled at him to get the green parcels out of her carriage. I just love how by this point of the season, everyone knows exactly what Olche is like and nobody cares. 
everyone just kind of works around Olche at this point. She's just a known quantity. And Yan ends up collapsing under a pile of boxes like he's Brook Kamhai in Vietnam. <laughs> and they arrive in Daba. Yan drops a box, but Ruben is stuck in the train, so throws his package to Yan. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's not fragile. Well, they were all empty boxes, I think. I hope they were, because when they actually get to Semi, Alte sits on the three that they've put there and collapses them. But I think they were all empty, looking at how easily Yan was able to throw them. So they deliver two boxes to Dabba, and then Yan finishes his carriage, as does Alche, and Simona is struggling. Alche finds two red packages, one for Semi and one for Sagveri. She gives them to Yan because she trusts him to keep them safe. Sagveri is the next station. Yan and Ruben both deliver another parcel each. They begin to check each other's carriages as they all think they're done. Simona has both a yellow and a blue box hidden in her carriage. Alche and Yan have both hidden red boxes. There are three boxes for Semi and two for the other stations, which Ruben says is a weird number. Surely it should be a round number of some description. Alche and Simona find more green boxes hidden in Simona's uh, compartment. Ruben was there, obviously, so he's the culprit. Alche literally whispers to Cena, bitching about Ruben, while he's right there taking in the view. <laughs> when they arrive at Semi to deliver their three boxes, Alche sits on them, not realising that they're empty, and squashes them. And they are confident that they delivered everything, but two parcels were not delivered correctly, meaning minus 500 euros of the pots. They were almost perfect on the train ride, but another two boxes were wrong, meaning they don't earn the 1500 either. And he refuses to tell them which colours had wrong ones. And that means that they earn minus 500 euros of 1500 for the challenge, 1500 euros of 4380 for the episode, and 11,700 of 47,380 for the season so far. I like how Yan makes a joke like, oh, I think we messed up the delivery to, what was that town? Suzuki? We messed up the Suzuki delivery? It's like, yes, you messed up the delivery to the town of Suzuki. And it's just like, if you'd waited another two years, Yan, that actually would have been relevant to him all season. So close. Ruben says in confessional he was convinced it was a mole action that none of the boxes were perfect. Well, yes, especially when Art doesn't even say which boxes were wrong. He's like, nope, I'm not going to tell you. It's like, everyone else is like, well, I guess the mole, that's something the mole did. Yeah, I think if he told them exactly where the wrong boxes were, and I have a feeling we do find out in the reunion where they were, I think that probably would have revealed who the mole was. Because I have a feeling that I remember what the mole actually did in this challenge. <laughs> we are going to get to that probably in about five or ten minutes, but I've got a, a sneaky suspicion of what the mole actually did in this challenge to sabotage it. I will say that... Although we went through this train challenge very quickly, it was still entertaining to watch. It's just that when it's one of those pure chaos challenges, it's very tough to break it down. Oh yeah, this is one of actually quite a few challenges this season that is probably much better to watch than actually listen to us talk about. Because there's so much kind of character and chaos and everything that it's very hard for us to make it any funnier than the actual challenge is. Plus a very scenic train ride. Yeah, it's very pretty. I mean... Before actually watching this season the first time, would you really have thought of Georgia as being a very pretty location for them to go to? I remember when we originally watched this season, I was thinking, wow, Georgia has to be on my radar for travel now. Well, good mole seasons can make you think that, because you always think of something like Amazing Race being a show that really makes you think, oh, I really need to go there. But if they pick a good location for a mole season, you have that same feeling. Like, I never really wanted to go to Sri Lanka until I saw the Vidam Sri Lanka season. And Sri Lanka looks really pretty. A good mole season will make you think, well, maybe I should go to that location. Or a mole season that uses the location well. Yeah, like, no, I don't have this big, strong feeling to go to the Czech Republic. No, but they didn't really use the Czech Republic that well. Obviously, due to the circumstances, but they didn't even go to Prague, for example. Prague's a very pretty city, I've been there. But in non- COVID times, you would probably have expected them to do at least one episode in Prague, but they had to avoid all the populated settlements and stuff. Yeah, I, I was just using that as an example of contrast. Whereas Germany, I think, up to the point we're at in Belgium Mall, I think you probably would want to go to Germany after the episodes we've seen so far. <laughs> yeah, I just want to go to that one, do the roller coaster thing at the vineyard. <laughs> So they were all sure that it was perfect and they checked each other's compartments and Stina says it was a miraculous mole action. And it is now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least is out of the game except for the mole who can never go home. And the test happens at the semi-station. 
Ruben says that it's different now. Only two people will go before the finale. Simona has always been on his list. She's fanatical, writes everything down and is a little too into the game, but he is beginning to doubt that it's her. Simona says she's known up to now that her heart will start beating and her palms will get sweaty during the test. She's told everyone she's still got a yoker left to unnerve them, but she has absolutely nothing thanks to Stina last week. Yan cannot imagine that I'll chase them all. She's fanatical, obsessed with money and great at communicating, or she's fooling him. And he's spreading over Simona and Ruben. Not Stina? Surprisingly not. As we're going to find out, that was a good instinct from Yan not to suspect Stina at this point. Stina says that it's a matter of who paid most attention during the challenges. Spreading isn't an option anymore, and it's the point of the season where you have to go for one person. Talking of only going for one person, Olche is going 100% on Ruben. If she's out, Ruben isn't the mole. Art demands his pound of flesh at the execution, because Yan didn't have any money on him at the time. Yan gives him the 500 euros in the smallest bills that he shouldn't have to count right. At least he didn't give him coins. I just love that kind of dick move of the treasurer going yeah we're gonna give you 500 euros but i'm gonna do it in the smallest denominations i possibly can just to make sure that it's really difficult for you i'll give you 500 euros in lari (laughs) and one yari notes yeah i'm gonna give you absolutely loads of lari he says that the pot could have been 46,750 euros which is wrong I do like to pull them up on this, but the maximum could have been 47,380 according to the figures we've seen on the episode. They are on 25% of the maximum pot, and the mole is doing very well, and is the only person who isn't nervous right now. Everyone else could have reached their final station. And I'm really annoyed he said that, because I was going to use that as a pun for the previously on next week. And now I might have to reconsider that. Yan and the lady in red, also known as Simona, get green screens before Stina gets the red one and is sent home. And as I mentioned earlier, Stina was still my mole at this point, so I was a little bit shocked. And we get a confession of Olche wearing a tiara. Where did the tiara come from? She didn't have that earlier in this episode, did she? Did I just not notice it till now? Oh please, as if Olche doesn't travel with the tiara. <laughs> yeah. That's her souvenir from each country. Some people buy magnets uh, for every country. Alche just buys a tiara. Alche says she will miss her. She was one of the few people who was warm and friendly to her at the start of the season. They are completely different people, which works out well in their friendship. Stina is someone who thinks about deeper stuff, and Alche helps her care about her appearance. (laughs) She cannot help herself but be an absolute bitch to people on their way out. Even her closest ally in this season. Yeah, she's like a deep thinker and philosophy, and then I just helped her to be a some uh, semi-attractive human being. I did my best. I don't know if I succeeded. <laughs> we only really got a taste of this in episode two with the uh, the theater challenge, but I just love the idea that there are so many unaired scenes from this season of Olche just going, "Stina, you're not wearing that out. Seriously, are you for real, girl?" We are going to have to My Fair Lady you at some point. Huge mistake. Huge. Oh, wait, that's a pretty woman. But yeah, I, and I can't tell. It was Olche being sarcastic too, saying that, that Stine likes to think about deeper things. Like, is she really a deep thinker, or is Olche just trying to be sarcastic here? I couldn't tell. I don't know. I think she probably was being fairly sincere for Olche. But yeah, what a backhanded slap with the... Yeah, and I just helped make her look semi-pretty and not make people want to vomit upon seeing her. I just love the idea that they were looking through all the confessionals of saying goodbye to Stina and thought, who should we have the last word about Stina for? I know. Let's go to Olje. What did she say? Oh shit, we've got to wear this. This is brilliant. (laughs) And brutal. My god. There's no better person you want to eulogize you on the way out of a Vidim season than Olche Goulson saying you came into this season with a terrible sense of style. But I've improved you. And she says on the way out to Art that she had to guess a few things on the test and knew that it was her time. She always wanted to go to Georgia, so it was great that she finally got to come. She never thought she'd get this far. She's not frustrated to have to wait to find out who the mole is. She's more frustrated to find out who wins. So next time, the final four take a trip down river before being serenaded by a Georgian choir. Simona wants personal information on Ruben, Olche wants to go to the finale with Yan, and Olche also refuses to embarrass herself on television, but then does a Michael Jackson impression. Oh, next week, right. Next episode is the Michael Jackson one. That's why Bindles wants to do next week. <laughs> it's because next week is one of, I would say, 
maybe top five Vidim challenges ever. So have you got anything else you want to say? Do you want to eulogize Stina? I think Olchek did the best did a better job of it than I could. There is no better way to eulogize her than saying she looked like shit. Yeah. So, thank you for listening to our VSTML 2018 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for the old mole in Georgia. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are TV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at like Subcracky, and I'm MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles. We'll see you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next flavoring. Please stay tuned for what the mole actually did. So what did the mole do? Do you remember? If I had to guess, Jan unscrewed the light bulbs. I can remember a hidden clue from this episode. There's two hidden clues that I can remember from this season, and one of them is in this one. In the train task, the end stop was semi, which Jan had the box for, and we saw him carrying with the semi quite visible on it. Semi is an anagram of It's Me. Oh, I completely forgot. I don't pay too much attention to the hidden clues, but that, that's a pretty clever one. Yeah, that was a hidden clue that I 100% remember is in the reunion. They do draw attention to the fact that Jan was seen quite visibly holding a, a semi-box, and it's an anagram of It's Me. And I'm going to assume Jan's responsible for the two boxes that were not in the correct place. I don't know if I'm right, but I seem to remember he threw them off the train. Oh, yeah, that does sound familiar. I think he threw two boxes off the train to make sure they couldn't win it, which is a really fun mole action, but kind of veers onto the side of this is a little bit too producer-induced and they were never going to win this challenge for me. That there is just no way for the contestants to succeed. Yeah, I have a feeling that he threw two of the coloured boxes off and two of the station boxes as well. Yeah, well, I mean, his door was completely clogged at the start of the challenge, so I'm guessing he could just do it right then without yeah. being noticed. It's like, well, Olche blocked my door. I guess I'm going to throw these boxes off the balcony, off the back of my cart. <laughs> From a mole point of view, you want to either be at the very front or the very back of the train. Probably at the very back, but Jan was at the very front. He could literally just walk out to the balcony at the front of the train, throw a box off, and hope nobody saw that there was a box in the bushes or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, the train would be moving so far along, it wouldn't. No one's going to be able to see it. Not if Old Chase clogging his door to where he's like, well, there's no way for anybody to see in, so I guess I'll just take this box and toss it. I mean, there would be no way for anyone to see it. It's like, yep, challenge is over. It's a sneaky sabotage. It just kind of veers onto the side of producer-induced, and we both know how I don't particularly like that sort of sabotage. I do like the sabotage kind of independently. I just don't like the idea that it's a, a way for the mole to easily tank the challenge without anyone noticing. Surprised he didn't screw more around with... Oh, it's, I think there was something involving the saxophone guy. I don't remember. I want to say that Jan is responsible for the saxophone guy leaving after two minutes. I wouldn't be surprised. More importantly on that challenge, he didn't do any painting. No. That was actually pointed out in the in the challenge itself. He did no painting. Yeah, he didn't have... They succeeded without him. He did not really contribute. And then some of his... He spent a lot of time trying to drag employees who were running their own shops to help paint, which I'm thinking that's a big waste of time. <laughs> they can't just leave their store in the middle of the day. The light bulb sub challenge is by far the most time consuming one as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if, as you said, he did unscrew a few light bulbs and stuff. Well, all he all that he would have to do is just wait for uh, Simona to have to go restart her clock, and then that's when he could just quickly no pun intended, screw around with one or two light bulbs and boom, they're they're going to be losing time. It'd have to be wary of Olche, though. Oh, yeah, she's in the control room. You'd have to make sure she wasn't in the control room. I guess the main thing is just to have them talk or just to have them... Was he trying to convince them the word was mole instead of 500? Yeah. He was trying to convince them it didn't breed 500 euros. Yeah, so that's a way to make make them lose time on that one. And then intentionally, maybe intentionally not get Stine in the... Because he was the one who... That's the thing with with Yan, is that they put him in a position of power so many times towards the end of the season. More so next episode, actually. There's a brilliant sabotage from Yan next next episode in the, uh, in the River Rafting Challenge, where I remember him essentially tanking a challenge for the entire team in front of them. Yeah, it's like, did Stine really not get in that selfie? 
in that for one that for one the tasks or did Yan intentionally take the picture to keep her out of the photo? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. For context as well, in the suspect list this week, this was the first one since week one where I did put Yan as number one. He was my after Stina Mole. So for the rest of the season I did put Yan as number one. Yeah, we both we both definitely had him as number one from this point onwards. Yeah, it was Yan, Simona, Ruben, Olche was my order, and the Bothers Wild top three was Yan and Olche tied, and then Ruben in uh, in third, and then Simona in fourth. I really need to find out where I, when I put Yan at the top of my list. I really need to track that down. So, have you anything else to say about uh, Yan in this episode? Uh, no, I think I think I'm good. I think after we discussed it in the spoiler segment last episode, I think this is the first week where Ruben puts some points on Yan as well. I definitely got that impression from his uh, his test speech this week. Yeah, because he said, I don't suspect Simona as much anymore, which I think is, is considering that Ruben wins the season, that's, that's essentially their way of saying, yeah, this is kind of when Ruben's on to who the mold is. Yeah, we don't actually get any suspicions from Ruben this week, apart from maybe it's not Simona. And now we understand why Simona, Olche, and Stine never change their mind about who the mole is because they all this is the first round where all three of them go all in Simone Olche think Ruben has to be the mole because they went all in and didn't get executed but failed to realize that them and Stine all went all in on Ruben <laughs> so no matter what two of them had to survive and one of them has to be in the finale so they all make the same mistake that way where they're like oh I guess this confirms I'm right it's like no this just confirms that all of you are very very wrong so this, I would say, I'm sure we'll we'll say this again in the finale recap and without being in the mole section, but this episode gives Ruben the game. Because he goes all in on the right person, and then the other three all go all in on the wrong person thinking they're right, and no one's going to change their mind between now and the end of the season. I'm not sure whether he goes all in on Yan this episode. He definitely puts points on Yan in this episode, I think. Does he still spread? I have a feeling he spreads on Yan and Simona. And then when Simona goes in the next episode, he goes, oh shit, it's Yan. It's 100% Yan. But I think he I think he puts about 50-50 in this episode on Yan and Simona. And then it's kind of 75-25 in the next one. And then it's 100% for the final test. Right. Thank you very much. We will see you next week. Sounds good.